Hello everyone. Welcome back to Vaccine Pod, the podcast where we talk about all things vaccines. I am Patricia Argueta, the host for those who don't know. So let's begin. Right now we are in the midst of a global pandemic with the unpredictable, terrible COVID-19. I know everyone is probably sick about hearing it, but in today's podcast we are going to take the time to hit it back to the basics by talking about DNA and RNA vaccines. But first, a gentle reminder that a virus is a small parasite that needs a host body and cell to then be able to mass produce itself because without one it can't multiply. And a vaccine is a medical procedure where they take a portion of a dead or weakened virus or bacteria and inject it into your body to show your immune system what the infection looks like so that it can begin to create antibodies that will help fight the disease if infected in the future. So, what is a vaccine? A DNA vaccine is made up from parts of the virus's own genetic information. The vaccine uses that DNA or RNA to make the immune system think it's under attack and that triggers the production of proteins directly in the cell that activate the immune response and return antibodies that fight the virus. How is a DNA vaccine made? And you might want to sit down for this one because it's a whole process. So DNA vaccines are composed of a bacterial plasmid. Expression plasmids are used in DNA-based vaccination normally to contain two, which normally contain two units. The antigen expression unit composed of promoter enhancer sequences followed by antigen encoding and polydenylation sequences and the production unit composed of bacterial sequences necessary for plasmid amplification and selection. The construction of bacterial plasmids with vaccine inserts is accomplished by using recombinant DNA technology. Once constructed, The vaccine plasmid is transformed into bacteria or bacterial growth procedures multiply plasmid copies. The plasmid DNA is then purified from bacteria by spreading the circular plasmid from the much larger bacteria DNA and other bacterial impurities. This purifies DNA and then this acts as the vaccine. The advantages of DNA vaccines is that they can be made in a short lifespan. It is easier to make large amounts of a gene than making proteins or grow bacteria or a virus. Speed is important when it comes to making a vaccine due to bacteria and viruses that are constantly mutating and changing. DNA vaccines are very easy to transport and store. They are DNA is a very stable molecule and does not need to be stored at low temperatures, making transportation and storage cheaper and easier than conventional vaccines. DNA vaccines are also very cheaper to make. It is relatively easy to make and to purify large amounts of DNA. And there is no risk for those who are making the vaccines as well, which some conventional vaccines require growing the infectious disease or virus which can carry a small risk risk to those who work while making the vaccine. The disadvantages of DNA vaccines is that initial attempts to m- create DNA vaccines have not worked and they have not had a big enough impact on the immune system. 
No DNA vaccine has been licensed for the use in humans yet, although some DNA vaccines are not in clinical trials, so none of them are licensed to use, so they are a unproven method. Now, what is an RNA vaccine? RNA vaccines work by introducing an mRNA sequence which is coded for a disease-specific antigen. Once produced within the body, the antigen is recognized by the immune system, preparing it to fight the real infection. There are three types of RNA vaccines. One, a non-replicating mRNA, which is the simplest type of RNA vaccine, an RNA strand that is packaged and delivered to the body where it is taken up by the body's cell to make the antigen. The second type of RNA vaccine is in vivo self-replicating mRNA. The pathogen mRNA strand is packaged with additional RNA strands that ensures it will be copied once the vaccine is inside a cell. This means that greater quantities of the antigen are made from a smaller amount of vaccine, helping to ensure a more robust immune response. The third type is in vitro dendritic cell non-replicating mRNA vaccine. Dendrite cells are immune cells that can present antigens on their cell surface to other types of immune cells to help stimulate an immune response. These cells are extracted from the patient's blood, transfected with the RNA vaccine, and then back to the patient to stimulate an immune reaction. RNA vaccines are, uses a different approach that take advantage of the process that cells use to make proteins. Cells use the DNA as a template to make a messenger RNA molecules, which are then translated to build proteins. An RNA vaccine consists of an mRNA strand that codes for a disease-specific antigen. Once the mRNA strand is inside the body cells, the cells use the genetic information to produce the antigen. This antigen is then displays, displayed on the cell surface where it is recognized by the immune system. The advantages of an RNA vaccine is that RNA vaccines are faster and cheaper to produce than traditional vaccines, and an RNA-based vaccine is also safer for the patient as they are not produced using infectious elements. RNA vaccines are laboratory-based, and the process should be standardized and scaled, allowing quick responses to large outbreaks and epidemics. They are also very safe. RNA vaccines are not made with pathogen particles or inactivated pathogens, so they are non-infectious. RNA does not integrate itself into the host genome and the RNA strand in the vaccine is degraded once the protein is made. Early clinical trials result indicate that RNA vaccines generate a reliable immune response and are well, well tolerated by healthy individuals with very few side effects. There are also the advantage production-wise, where vaccines can be produced more rapidly in the laboratory in a process that can be standardized, which improves responsiveness to emerging outbreaks. Although some disadvantages of RNA vaccines is that the methods to make mRNA vaccines can be 
very effective, although technology challenges to overcome to ensure these vaccines work appropriately. Their unintended effects where the mRNA strand in the vaccine may cause an unintended immune reaction. To minimize this, mRNA vaccine sequence sequences are designed to mimic those produced by mammalian cells. When it comes to delivery, delivering the vaccine effective, effectively to cells is challenging since free RNA in the body is quickly broken down. To help achieve delivery, the RNA strand is incorporated into a larger molecule to help stabilize it and or package into particles or liposomes. Storage-wise, many RNA vaccines like conventional vaccines need to be frozen or refrigerated. Work is ongoing to reliably produce vaccines that can be stored outside the cold chain since this will be more suitable for those for use in countries with limited or no refrigeration facilities. Out of both DNA and RNA vaccines, when it comes to COVID-19, the RNA vaccine would be the most effective, especially since COVID-19 has an RNA genome and it's due to an RNA vaccine's easy production and development for an RNA vaccine would be beneficial in the race to creating a vaccine for COVID-19 as well as to be able to mass produce it quickly and for it to be most likely be cheaper to the public. Now, how is RNA and DNA different from conventional vaccines? DNA and RNA vaccines are faster and cheaper to produce in large quantities than conventional vaccines. Conventional vaccines often use weakened or killed versions of a virus, which means labs have to produce large amounts of the virus, which oftentimes includes a protein which is essential to create a human immune response. Producing a virus and viral protein is time-consuming and expensive. Meanwhile, DNA and RNA vaccines take a small amount of the virus amount of the virus's own genetic information just enough to spark an immune response and the protein can be produced directly at the cell. The virus's genetic information can be re replicated and produced relatively easy. Now, for a controversial question, should we make COVID-19 vaccine mandatory? Deep down inside, I wish I could say yes due to how badly COVID has affected everyone all over the world and just so we could return to normalcy as soon as possible, but that is not the case. This is due to some ethical debates about vaccines from some, po some people being against vaccines, also known as anti-vaxxers, or because some people have religious reasons or because they are very immunocompromised. So we simply can't afford can't force it upon them to get vaccinated. Truthfully, I believe that there will be a partial mandate for the COVID-19 vaccine, such as in schools where children are constantly around or frequently, or children are constantly around people and in enclosed rooms, and for jobs such as healthcare workers. Although, my proposal for the rest of the population is to mass produce the vaccine and make it as affordable as possible or even free to encourage more people to take the vaccine and by increasing the availability of the vaccine, 
is going to allow anyone of any class to get the vaccine with no worry or hesitation when it comes to the cost of ha- cost or having insurance. Also, due to COVID-19, there has already been a different strand from which we started with back in March. I believe that one vaccine won't completely stop this virus. I believe that what is going to come down is that studies about this virus is going to continue since it is still fairly new and by creating new COVID vaccines for any new strands that may appear or may come down to creating a vaccine predicting the strand of COVID that will appear each year exactly like what we already do for the flu and take a COVID vaccine alongside the flu when the flu season comes around. This then leads to a similar question about making vaccines for common diseases like the flu. And the scenario still stands about those who are anti-vaxxers and immunocompromised or can't for religious reasons, along with the fact that strands of the flu consistently change each year, so virologists and immunologists do their best to predict, predict and create a vaccine for the upcoming flu season. And sometimes they don't get that strand right. So when it comes to mandating common disease like the flu, it is more difficult. Overall, it just comes down to herd immunity. Where the majority of the population gets vaccinated, it slows down the spread of the disease and protects those who do not get the vaccine due to age or illness. For example, if no one gets vaccinated, the disease will easily will be easily spread among a crowd of people or community, but if people are vaccinated, the disease won't affect them, thus being like a protective wall separating the person infected from those who did not get vaccinated. It will only affect the few who weren't vaccinated, thus spreading the disease slowly. Socially, that is the importance of majority of the population getting vaccinated but unfortunately not everyone sees the benefits this way well that's all the time we have for today thank you for listening to today's podcast